please help me welcome our lead pastor, Michael Hansen, to the stage to finish our Disconnected series. Thank you, Andrew. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> How are you? Great. We'll take that. Great. Hey, uh, as Andrew was saying, we, we're wrapping up a series. You can see they're disconnected where we're looking at our four connects, which uh, if you're visiting today, it would be like, what are you talking about? And, and our four connects are like our mission statement here at the Vineyard. And what I mean is we're really committed to helping uh, to collectively all of us growing in four areas, like our connection to God, our connection to the church, our connection to your purpose, our connection to, uh, to your community. And uh, I kicked this series off the first weekend of, of January, and uh, I, I think I said this. In fact, I know I said this. I, these four connects aren't like just these four catchy phrases that we come up with. Like, we really believe that these are biblical. We really believe that these four connects uh, if you'll lean into them over this next year, 2020, if you'll lean into them, if you'll uh, make them a priority, that, that, that we believe that you're going to grow. Like, we believe that your life will change. You know, if you invest in your, uh, your connection to God, your relationship with God, how do you do that? Like any other relationship we have, it means you make it a priority, it means you, you, know, you, give, you give time to it, and as you do, as you get to know God more, as you experience his love for you, uh, you start to understand more his, his heart, his love for the world. What you're going to see change in you is, is you're going to think differently. You're going you're gonna to have more of a kingdom perspective, more of looking at life through his lens than your own lens. You're, you're going to find you're going to have a greater kingdom purpose about your life. It's going to impact the way you see the people around you. Like a lot of you are going to get, you're going to get up tomorrow, you're going to go to work, you're going to go to school, you're going to go shopping and whatever you're going to be doing tomorrow, there's going to be people, your neighbors, people you work with, people at school that you see on a regular basis. As you grow closer to God, you're going to look at them, you're going to see them differently, right? You're going to have more, again, a more of a kingdom perspective. You're going to see the church, this gathering, you're going to see the church way differently. And so uh, these four connects are really important. If you missed any of these, this series, uh, out on the info counter, we have free CDs. Any ones that you missed, you can grab those. Uh, we have eight tracks in the dumpster. And then we, uh, you can go to vcdc.org, uh, and we have lots of information there, but you can catch up on any talks you missed. But uh, this morning, uh, we're looking at Connected to the Church. And when I say connected to the church, what I mean is this morning I'm talking about our connection with each other, right? I'm talking about the church family. And I know when you say the word church, it's important to define what do I mean by that? Because looking out at all of you, when you hear the word church, I'm sure there's different pictures, different ideas, different definitions popping into your mind. And, and first off, let me say this, that the, like the church is not a building, right? It's not this building. I grew up in the church, and I grew up hearing, and I still hear it today, people will say, whoa, 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 you don't run in the house of the Lord, right? You don't do that in the Lord's house. So I have to say, so I have to say that, you know, somehow this building is a, is a, it's a holy building. Well, you know, the only thing that makes this place holy is you. It's you, and it's me. And it's, and it's the presence, the holy presence of God with us and, and in us as his followers, uh, the church is not a building. The church is not a service. Like if someone said to you, hey, where are you going? I'm going to a church service. Well, that's not really accurate because the church is not a service. The church is not what we do. The church is who we are, right? When you look in the New Testament, and we'll look at this a little later, where that when the church was born in the book of Acts, throughout the New Testament, whenever you see the word church, New Testament was originally written in Greek. And so the Greek word, the word that they use for the church is ekklesia. Here's what, it, here's what it means. It means a gathering of people called out from their homes into some public place and assembly. That's, that's the definition. That's the word that you'll see. And so what does it mean then in defining the church? What is the church? The church is a gathering. It's a gathering of people that have come out from their homes and they've come to this place where we gather together. And I, I think that's helpful in defining the church. But I think, you know, looking at that definition of ecclesia, I think it's also to, to get a greater understanding of who we are as the church. You need to take, ask another question. You need to take this a little further. You need to ask the question, okay, if the church is a gathering of people, right? We've come from different places and we've gathered together. Well, a good question to be would, 
uh, a good question would be, well, what are we, what are we gathered around? I mean, have you ever thought, like, like, thought about that? Like, why are we here? Right? What is it that's brought us together? I mean, are we here today? Are we gathered together today? Because, well, this is just what Americans do on the weekend. Well, I don't think that's accurate. Right? Are, we, are we gathered around the name Vineyard? That just sounds weird to me. Right? Are we gathered around, are we gathered today around a set of values, a set of rules? Right? Have, have we gathered around certain religious practices? See, I think it's important to understand that the church, right, us, we, that, that we have not gathered around like an idea, right, as we've gathered today, but instead that we have gathered around a person, that we are, ga- what's bringing us together, what's drawing us together today is Jesus. It's our belief that Jesus is alive and well and that he's with us. Now, that's really important because if Jesus is the one we're gathered around, that means Jesus is at the center of this gathering. That means he's in charge. Like, like my title is lead pastor, but I'm not in charge. You don't want me to be in charge. <laughs> Jesus is in charge. And that means he sets the tone. That means he defines who we are. That means he gives us his marching orders that we exist as a gathering, as a church. We exist to fulfill his purposes. Right? He is at the center of the church. And, and now when we you know, talked this morning about connecting to the church, this, you know, uh, uh, this gathering, etc., like there's a lot of different directions we could go. But what I want to focus on is, is, uh, is something different here. Uh, the Bible gives us a really helpful picture in understanding who we are as the church. Listen to this scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. I think that is a super helpful picture of who we are as a gathering. All these different people, we've gathered together. How have we, like like all these different parts, we've we've gathered together, we've been brought together to form one body. It's not just any body, it's not just a body of people, it's the body of Christ, right? The Bible teaches that Jesus is the head of, of this body, and what I really want to focus on today is that one of, the, one of the church's primary purposes as a connected body, as a gathered body, as the body of Christ, is to be a picture to the world, right? That we would be a picture to a very disconnected world, a very divided world, that we would be a picture of connection as a church, as a gathered church, a picture of beautiful connection, like to demonstrate to the world that we would demonstrate who Jesus is to the world. Right, like his heart, his plans, his ways, etc. You've probably heard songs where we talk about, you know, we are his hands, we are his feet. Well, that's really accurate. We are his body, right? And so what I want to look at today is how, you know, that purpose of God to really to shine through us to the world, to demonstrate who he is to the world through us as his church, I want to look at how we've been disconnected from that and then how God is working to reconnect us to that purpose that he has. So let's pray and then we will uh, we'll jump into this. So Lord... Thanks for this morning. Thanks uh, for everyone that's here. And I do pray, uh, uh, Lord, you are why we've gathered. And, and I guess if we're honest, maybe there's, that's probably not, maybe that's not top of all of our lists. Maybe it's just the routine. Maybe, you know, but I, I pray that you would connect us with you at a very deep level today. Lord, just come be the center Come be the one that we're gathered around today. We welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, number one in your notes, if you're a note taker, is disconnected from each other. Okay? Disconnected from each other. So let me ask a question just to sort of, uh, I want to uh, sort of paint a picture here. Are there any Monopoly players here? Does anyone, is that even popular anymore? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Monopoly. Remember the board game? Right? Where it's like a real estate game where you, you, know, you, you buy all these properties and you try to take everyone's money. It's a lot like life. Right? But, uh, but imagine, imagine you're sitting down at a table with a, like, you know, other people and you're going to play Monopoly. And uh, one, of the people, one of the other players is someone who you've played with before and they normally whoop everybody else. Right? And after numerous losses, you finally figured out one of their winning strategies. And what you figured out is when they start the game, the first thing they do is they go after two of the most prime real estate in Monopoly, which are Boardwalk and Park Place. 
right? See if you know the game. And they, they quickly get those, and then they load those two real properties up with houses and hotels, if you know the game. And then they, they, you know, they basically drain everyone else at the table of all their monopoly money uh, you know, each time or before they can pass go, right? If you're familiar with the game. Now, having caught onto that, that, that person's winning strategy, what would you do the next time you played them? Like, wouldn't you go, I'm going after Boardwalk and Park Place. I'm going to get them before they do, and I'm going to use them for my, you know, I'm going to use them for me, for myself to win the game. And so that picture is a picture of what the enemy has done regarding our connection to the church, meaning our connection to each other. God's winning strategy is to reveal himself to the world through us, through his church, through our connection with him, through our connection to each other. And a couple of weeks ago, Andrew uh, addressed our disconnection from each other. Remember when he talked about, uh, about our community? Uh, great talk, or our, our connection to our community. And what he did is he looked at Genesis 3, which is a super pivotal uh, chapter in the Bible. Genesis 3 is where the enemy, the enemy didn't go after, like at the start of the game, if you will, the enemy didn't go after Boardwalk and Park Place. The enemy went after Adam and Eve. And, and, he, and he went after them, and he went, well, what he went after was their connection to God and their connection to each other. And he deceived them into disobeying God's orders, and, and their disobedience disconnected them from God. God didn't pull away from them. In their rebellion, they, they pulled away from God. And they didn't just lose their connection to God, they lost their connection to each other, right? And in doing that, they also lost their connection to their God-given purpose, which is to be and uh, image bearers of God on planet earth, that we would be a reflection to the rest of the world, a reflection of God. And what you see in the book of Genesis really quickly after Genesis 3 is this disconnection didn't just impact Adam and Eve. It literally poisoned the entire human race. It's like this, this the, the overflow, the consequences of, of that disconnection just sort of roared through and continues to roar through humanity. If you're familiar with the story, like right after Genesis 3, there are two sons, Cain and Abel. You know, just the, the fruit of that disconnection, Cain's like, and he kills his brother Abel. And then, you know, all through the Genesis, you just see, and all through the Bible, you see story after story after story. All through the history of the world, you see the fruit of this disconnection from one another. You see story after story all the way up till today. Right? Where people are, are, you know, the fallout from this disconnection, people are hurting each other, cheating each other, using each other, judging. I mean, you can fill in the blanks, right? There's just all this going on. And see, the enemy's plan in Genesis 3, his going after God's winning strategy, this beautiful connection, right? His plan of this connection, this connected family, was then and has continued till today to do. Uh, to do whatever it takes to disconnect the body from the head and the parts of the body from each other. So in a sense, his plan, the enemy's plan is to th- in, in, in trying to thwart God's plan is to dismember the body, which is a pretty gruesome picture, isn't it? Right, like, look at this picture. No, okay, don't look, I'm good. It's just funny to watch heads. Like, do you think I'd really put a picture like that up? Like, whoa, I mean, that's, but it sounds like a CSI episode, right? Understand, that's the enemy's job. He's trying to disconnect us from one another, right? Uh, God's plan is that we would be a healthy body, a connected body, a healthy church, a connected church, where every part is in its place, right? Drawing life, drawing identity, drawing purpose from the head, from Jesus. And then having, you know, the ability as this body to live out that life, to function, to, to live out the, you know, just the plans, the identity, the purposes uh, as each part of the body, each part now connected is functioning in a healthy way. That's God's plan. But do you realize what that means that when you look at God's plan, that, that means for this church, right? And what's the church? This gathering of people. That means for VCDC, for this church to be and do what God has made us to be and made us to do, that means then that we need each other. If we're going to accomplish that, that means we don't just need each other. We need to be connected to each other. You know, every part of the body, no matter how small or, you know, seemingly insignificant, it's not just, well, the staff needs to be connected or, well, all those small group leaders need to be connected, 
right? Well, really, we're talking about the adults need to be connected. No, it's, it's everybody, from the youngest to the oldest. For if we're going to fulfill the plans God has for us, it means we need each other. So let me do something here, a little bit of participation. Why don't you just take a second, just look around the room with that thought in mind. And you might have to move your head, actually, to do that. But look around the room and just look. Look at each other through this filter. Hey, these are all the other parts of the body that I need, very <laughs> that I need, right? We need each other. See, for us to be and do who God's made us to be and do, we need to be connected. A healthy body is a connected body, right? We need to be the body of Christ. Think about this. The church, we're the body of Christ. We can't see Jesus. Can you see him right now? I don't see him. We can see the effect of his presence, right? We can't see him the world. People who don't yet know Jesus, they can't see Jesus. But, but what does the world see? Or rather, who does the world see? The world sees us. Right? What the world sees is the body of Christ. Listen to what Jesus, listen to how he defines his plans for us as we move closer and closer and get more connected. Matthew 5, 14 uh, says this. Jesus said this to his followers. He said, hey, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Like, what is he saying there? He's saying, hey, can I tell you what my plan is for you, church? My plan is to connect you and it's to light you up with my presence, with my power. And, it's, and, I, and I, wanna, I don't wanna hide you, I wanna light you up and I wanna put you on display for all the world to see, right? To say, look, like this is how it's supposed to be. This is what you're all longing for, look at it, right? And, and, and what does he mean by that? Like, like, like what, what is it that we are made for? How, how is it that we're gonna shine to the world? He continues by saying this, John 13, 34, Jesus says again to his followers, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, your connection with one another will prove to the world that you <clears throat> are my disciples. It'll prove to the world that we're gathered around him. See, the world can't see God, but they can see us. So what that means is if someone is praying, God, God, what do you look like? Right, so God could respond to that person and say, what do I look like? Oh, here, well, here's how I'll, I'll answer that. Look at my church. That's what I look like. Look at my people. Look at, look at how they love each other. Look at how they treat each other. See, doesn't it make sense that if that being God's plan, doesn't it make sense that the enemy would go after that strategy? Like the enemy wakes up every morning and he's like, what am I doing today? Oh, that's right, cause division, right? This, how he gets his steps in is, is to get as many folks offended as possible. He is constantly working. He wants to get as many people understanding other people. He wants people thinking the worst about other people he, instead of the best about other people. The enemy is all about disconnection, whereas God is all about connection. So if that's God's purpose for the church to be an example, a picture of God to the world, well then let me ask you this question and just answer in your mind, how do you think we're doing? Like how do you think we're doing? And I think it's helpful to look at a picture in answering that question. Well, I'm not really sure how we're doing, but let me give you a picture that will help us know what direction God wants to move us in. And number two in your notes is this, it's a picture of the plan. In, uh, in Acts chapter two, two, we read the story of, of the birth of the church. And, uh, you know, just some background. Jesus, basically his, his work on planet Earth was done, right? And he was getting ready to ascend back up to heaven. But before he left, he said to his followers, he said, hey, wait here. Okay, wait here until my father sends the gift that he promised. And the gift is the Holy Spirit. And in a sense, this is a pivotal time in, in the Bible. It's a pivotal time in God's relationship with his people because it's, it's gonna change from, from God in the flesh, Jesus being with his people to now God in the spirit now living in his people, which is just such a mystery. But what, what happens is on, on, uh, it's on the day of, of Pentecost uh, um, where the Holy Spirit falls on 
this group of people, this gathered people, this, this, this young church. And, and uh, uh, it draws a crowd. The Holy Spirit falls and all these people are drawn to it. What's going on? What's going on with all those people? And the crowd comes and, and Peter, one of the disciples, looks at all the people and, and he thinks, oh, what am I gonna do? I, you know, and he gets up and he preaches and his sermon must have been, it must have been a great sermon because it says in the Bible that 3,000 people said, if that's true about Jesus, well, can I gather too? Like, can I be part of this? And, 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 so, and, and so really the church is born. It starts to grow. And as it grows, here's this picture. Here is a picture of a healthy, connected church. Acts 2, verse 41 says this. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, communion, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's a picture. That's a picture of a, of a connected body, right? And, and I think it's important to know that, and it's important to know the culture at that time when this church was born. Because you could read that and go, oh, okay, isn't that nice? Uh, you're saying a connected church is that, well, we go to church together, we have a meal together, and you know, maybe we'll share our lawnmower or whatever. But, but if, you, if you look at the, at the time in history, and at the culture, you realize that part of what made the early church stand out wasn't just the way they loved each other, but more who the each other was. See, in the first century, you know, when this happened, and it's really the same as it is now, but, but disconnection was a good way of describing the culture. Like, it was a culture that was incredibly divided. There were like, uh, it was a culture of walls of division. There was division all over the place. There was div great division racially when this was written. The Jewish people hated the non-Jews, which is like, you know, the Gentiles, the Greeks, the Romans. I mean, imagine, it's their country, and the Romans have rolled in, and they, you know, so the Jews hated them, and they hated the Jews. There was just this incredible divide within racially in this culture at this time. There was great divide within the family, within the marriage. I mean, women were treated like property, right? There was no love. There was, there was very little love and honor. It was, you know, it was, it was property. And, and it was pretty typical in this culture with all this division where it was pretty normal for, for husbands to be unfaithful to their wives. And so there's division within the home. There was division, you know, economically. I mean, the rich would abuse and use the poor. The free man would abuse the slave. I mean, everywhere you looked, there were these dividing lines when, of, of people you'd associate with and people oh, you would not associate with. So it's within that kind of a context that this little church is born and boop, 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 grows up. And, and, and people are looking at it going, what is this? Like, what is this? Like, this connection, this beautiful connection. I mean, they're looking at this gathered church and they're going, wait a minute. They're not just gathered and putting up with each other. Like, you know, all the Jews are over there and all the Greeks are over there and the slaves are out in the parking lot. You know, it's sort of like, it's like they're looking at this gathering going, how is this possible that such different people seem to really love each other? Like they're looking through the window, you know, at this gathered church and they're going, wait a minute, I know that he's a Jew and he's a Greek and he's a Roman and they're sitting at a table and they're laughing and they're eating food together, hummus, right? It's like, you know, or, or they're looking at it and they're seeing a husband with his wife and he's being gentle with her, with his words and they're praying together or they're singing together. And they're just, you know, and they're trying to figure it out and they're looking like, they're looking at that, they're looking at, wait a minute, that guy is this guy's slave, but this guy's getting him a coffee. How is that, right? They're, they're looking at something that makes no sense to them. How can people that are so different, that, that should not have any connection, how is it they're so connected? 
right? And they would look at it and they would be confused by it, but they would be drawn to it, right? This, this beautiful connection. And I believe, and like the Bible teaches that that is God's plan, right? That is God's plan that, 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 that people would look at us and see something different and attractive. Like, oh, that we would be a church that people would look and go, you know, they'd come through the doors and they'd look at us and they'd go, man, this place doesn't make sense. Look at how they love each other. Look at how people that, you know, in our time and in this culture, they shouldn't, aw, they shouldn't be, you know, hugging on that person and they shouldn't be like all, like, oh, that we could be a church where, where that's what we are known for. And you know, I, I think we're getting there. I heard a story, and this is, I, I don't remember, this is from years ago, but I heard a story. Someone in our church was at, you know, at a store here in Sunbury, probably Kroger. There's not a lot going on, but probably Kroger. But <laughs> it's changing, though. We have a Chipotle coming, for real. But um, now you're all distracted. What? I wasn't taking notes, but I am now. Like, it's true. Talk to me afterwards. But... <laughs> Where was I? Someone was in the store and they overheard someone having a conversation. And the person was talking about the church, about our church. And I don't think they meant this as a compliment, but they said, oh, the vineyard? Vineyard? They'll welcome anyone there. And when I heard that, I'm, I think Jesus went, awesome. Right? Like, like, oh, that we could be known for that. I mean, can you see why sometimes this this connection, this moving towards each other, sometimes it can feel like a bit of a battle zone in the church, in this, in this family. I mean, because we have an enemy who is, is trying to stop that from happening. Because I, I know he clues in more than we do of how powerful and what a, what a, what a hope-giving community picture that would be to the world. And so he works, does all he can to divide us. You know, and one of the areas where you know, different cultures. I mean, we're very similar to the first culture, but I think in our time in history, one of the biggest challenges to us as a church, as a family, moving towards each other, connecting more together, one of the biggest challenges is that we live at a time, I don't know if this is accurate, but probably more than any time in history where, where we're, we're, uh, we are more individualistic than we've ever been. Right? At other times, you, ha- you needed each other to work the fields. Like, you had to work as a family. You had to work as a village to, to live. Well, now, like, like, we have a whole culture that's built around just you looking out for you. I mean, just listen, go on television, listen to the ads. Everything is, you need this. You deserve this. Right? We have a whole economy that is built on you and I being so self-centered that we buy whatever we want for ourselves whenever we want it. Well, well there's a problem with that because that, you know, that individualism, that consumerism, if you will, where we look at our life, we make decisions in life based on, well, what's in it for me? Is this going to make me feel better? Is this going to make me look better? Is this like it's me, me, me. Me trumps we in our culture. And, and one of the problems with that is that, that that same attitude, mindset, it comes into our gatherings. And it, it, it gets in the way of, of connecting. Listen, listen what it says in James, James 4. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. That's one of the challenges of our brokenness inside. But see, that's not going to work. Because listen to the invitation of Jesus. Here's how he invites people to, his, to this gathering. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. See, I know that God knows if, if we don't, if we aren't set free from this consumption with self, that it's not gonna give us what we think it's gonna give us, right? I just need what I need and then I'm gonna be satisfied. He's like, yeah, actually, you know what? You won't. In fact, it, it's, it's gonna be worse, 
right? So how does he, how does he then, you know, set, how does he free us from this self-centeredness and move us towards greater connection with each other? Number three in your notes, last point, is moving towards each other, right? Moving towards each other. Look, take a look at this picture. Who, do you know, who knows what this is? What's that? A rock tumbler. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, this is, called, this is a rock tumbler. Now I feel like I really know what I'm talking about. The other service is a bunch of people new, so now I'll be more confident. Well, you see, what we have, no, okay, that's a rock tumbler. And what do you think it does? It tumbles rocks, right? And so what you do is you would take raw rocks, you'd put them in this, these barrels, and then it just spins around. And just imagine, like all these rocks, Boosh, tumbling around inside this barrel. And what, what do you think happens when they're tumbling around? They're banging off each other. All these rocks. And so what happens is the sharp edges on the rocks, as they're bumping up against the other rocks, they're getting smoothed out. Right? The smooth, they're getting smoother and smoother. And that rock that didn't look like much before turns out to be a really beautiful rock. Look at this before picture. This is untumbled, I want to say this right, carnelian agate. Of course, you knew that already. But that's carnelian agate untumbled. Look at the next picture. See, that's beautiful. But those rocks would never have gotten to that place unless they went through that process, right, of tumbling, of bouncing off each other. Here at the vineyard, we have a saying. Let's apply this to us now. We have a saying, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. What we mean is arms open, you are welcome, right? But we recognize everyone coming through those doors, all of us, we all have rough edges. And one of the primary ways that God smooths us out, one of the primary ways that God unveils and, you know, and, and helps us to discover the beauty inside each other, like, like those rocks, one of the primary ways he does that is in small groups, that's one of the reasons why we are so big on small groups. Because small groups create an incredible opportunity for God to take a handful of people and throw them in his kingdom tumbler. Right? And you're in a small group and you're living life together. You're going through all the ups and downs and the stuff of life. And, and as you're tumbling around, here's what happens. Not if, but when. Or at, you know, uh, at what happens is you come up against someone else's sh- sharp edges. Or someone else comes up against your sharp edges as you're all bouncing around in this tumbler, in God's tumbler. And what happens there is an incredible opportunity is created when we become aware, right? It's a misunderstanding. And I'm not belittling these things. These are hard things. It's a misunderstanding. There's an offense taken. You said, wah, wah, wah. Like all just the stuff of people in life. But see, when, when the enemy looks at that, when the offense is there, Right When you've, you've come aware or someone else has come aware of the sharp edge, the enemy's like, awesome, right? Here's my opportunity. I'm going to divide. Here's a chance. And God's looking at it going, awesome. Here's an opportunity. I'm going to smooth someone's edge off as we do the hard work as a con- community, as a church, gathered together that's moving towards, more and more towards connection. As we do that hard work, it's, it's in us forgiving, talking things through, working things through, as we, go, as we go through all, these, all this bouncing off together. And again, and we shouldn't be surprised by offense or hurt. Like, we shouldn't. I mean, you throw a bunch of people together. I mean, we've seen enough reality TV to know what happens when you throw a bunch of people together. But, but see, one of the things in this process, in this tumbling process that God uses, one of the things that gets in the way of God's work in us as a church, as a, as a church connecting more and more is, is when we jump out of his tumbler. Right, it's when, and, and again, not belittling the hurt, but when you get hurt, you've got a choice to make. Right, like, am I gonna jump out of the tumbler or am I gonna stay in this hard place? Ka-cha-kung, ka-cha-kung. Right, and, but here, here's, here's the, the problem. Like I, like, I see this more and more where people, and, and more often than not, it's people who've been hurt within this church and within this gathering, where they go, well, okay, my expression of my faith, my Christianity, it's Jesus and me. Well, you know, two things. One, well, that's not what the Bible teaches, right? Second thing is this, just practically, a rock can't smooth itself, right? A rock can't 
you, a, a rock is just a rock. It can't knock its own rough edges off, right? We need, we need to have this process, this tumbling process. So uh, uh, what does that look like? And, or how do we get to that place of staying in the tumbler? I, uh, Acts 2.42, we touched on this earlier, but I want to point out a, 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 a certain word, a specific word. Verse 42 says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. I underline that section there. It says devoted themselves. Okay, this was originally written in Greek. And the Greek word for devoted, which I, I've never seen this before, the word is proskriterio, sort of. And look at what it means. To attend constantly. That's what devoted means. So what they're saying is, how did this, this picture that, you know, in Acts 2, how did this connection, how did they have this beautiful connection, right? Well, one of the ways was, or what really created the opportunity for that was, all right, and know that, I know they're there, but <laughs> I see, I see people, I see musicians. But one of the ways that that, that that was made possible, that great connection, was they devoted themselves constantly to the gathering, to sharing, on and on and on. See, and it doesn't say that they devoted themselves, ah, when it was possible. Ah, they devoted themselves when it fit in our schedules. Now, I realize right now, you know, especially if you're visiting today, you're like, I knew it, guilt-tripping pastor, right? That's not what I'm saying, okay? That's, this is not a church attendance, you know, you know what I mean. Because I know that many of you have crazy work schedules. There's some of you that you have multiple jobs, Right? Some of you have crazy family schedules. You, like, I've got the kids this weekend. My ex has them the next weekend. And it's like, I've got a day with my kids. So, we're, you know, we're going to the zoo. Like, I get that. I might question that. But I get that. I totally, you know, that I, and I want to be sensitive to that group. But I do know that there's a group, another group of people that, let's just be honest, the gathering is way down your list of priorities. And, and, uh, uh, you know, so for me to get up today and say, look, you're missing out, right? You're missing out on the process if you're not here, right? And so I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you, like, to bump it up the list of priorities. Let's listen to this, Matthew 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's what I'm saying today, right? I'm, I'm encouraging you like, to make this a priority if, because if this is all true, that we are one body, the body of Christ, but all these different parts, I mean, for us to be a healthy body, doesn't it make sense that all the parts need to be here? Right? So you're, if you're not here, that means a part of the body is missing. Like, you know, when I was uh, five years old, uh, the top joint of my middle finger got crushed and it got cut off. And so I'm missing one joint on my finger. Not a huge part of my body. But do you know what? On a daily basis, I'm aware that that part is missing. Like when I'm typing to do the letter E, I mean, I need to use my shoulder to get up there. Like, oh, come on, little buddy. <laughs> right? It's like typing. When I'm playing the guitar, there's chords in the guitar. It's just not going to happen. Because I'm missing a part of my body. See, that's just a little picture of, of like every part in this room. You may think, oh, what does it matter if I'm not there? Well, God says it does matter. He says that every part, every part is necessary for us as a gathering, as a church. It's necessary for us to do what God's made us to do, to be who he's made us to be. Why don't we stand up? We're going to take some time to pray in a little bit. Um, but before we do, I, I want us just to worship together. And here's the thing. Worship. And think about this. What do we do? We worship together. Right? It's one of the ways that we gather together. And, it's, and worship is one of the primary ways, ways that we as a church connect to God. It's how we draw near to Him. So let's sing this song, and then uh, we'll come back up, and then we'll pray.
week just thinking about the church and the family and being a connected, healthy body and all these different things. I, I realized that, like many of you, I was raised in the church. And, and the church has been, like, it's been my, a family to me my whole life. And as I was thinking about that, I thought it's, it's, it's within this gathering that, that, you know, some people, this church, someone, someone introduced me to Jesus. Like right now, your kids are back here. There's people working, you know, they're teaching your kids about Jesus. They're teaching them how to pray, how to read the Bible, all these different things. And I realized how incredibly grateful I, I am to be part of this family and have been my entire life. And because it's within the church, it's the church that corrected me when I got off course. It's, just, it's within this community, this gathering, that I've, I was lifted up when I'd fallen down. It's, just, it's within this gathering that where, where I was encouraged when I wanted to give up, where I was held, when my heart was broken. I know I'm not alone in that, right? I know that I know that, that happens a lot in this church. I, I was thinking, like, it's in this church family that, like, I've seen the face of Jesus in many of your faces. You probably didn't know it, but I saw his face. It's shining through you. I've heard his words through your voice when you've encouraged, when you've corrected, right? I've felt his, t- I know many of you could say this. I've, I, have we not, you've felt his touch through someone else's hands, right? There's, there's so much benefit in, in the church family, in this community, in this loving family. But you know what I also know, which I know many of you know, is that it's been within this family that I've been incredibly wounded. It's within this church family we're through other people that I've, you know, I've been gossiped about. And now thanks to the, the, the freedoms of social media, I've been slandered on social media. Right? I'm sure many of you could say that. And so there's, there's a couple groups of people I want to invite forward. And let's throw up this picture. Take a look at this picture. I want to set this up. Like, I don't know if you can see what that is. Right? Maybe let's go to the next one. Okay, can you see what that is? That is a kite caught up in a tree. I love going for walks. And, and this is at the end of my street. I was out for a walk and this is last week. And, and I was actually thinking about this sermon. And this is a, like, it's a bright red kite. And I looked at it when I was walking. I thought that kite has been up in that tree, snagged up in that tree for a long time. And when I was looking at it, and again, thinking about this weekend, what I was going to be preaching on, I felt like God said, uh, you need to take a picture of that. And because, because that represents some people in the church that you've been wounded and you've been hurt and, and, it's, and it, it, it could be for, like have been years ago but you've been stuck. You've been stuck like a kite stuck in a tree. You've been stuck, caught up in that. Does that make sense? And as we roll into 2020, the sense I had is, is that God wants to start doing a work in your life, in your heart of setting you free from those branches, those wounds that you're snagged on. And I don't want to be sensitive, but that's one group that I want to, when I call folks up in a bit, I want to invite you to get prayer today. And that really your coming forward would be, ooh, okay, God. Okay, I'm saying yes to the process. And he's not, you know, even when I was looking at it and thinking about today, I felt like God said, I'm not going to just rip the kite out of the tree. He will gently start this process of just taking piece by piece of that kite and, and unraveling it from that, from that, uh, from where it's snagged up. And I think for some people, that uh, talking about family, that, that you've been in the church for years, but, but you feel like an orphan. You don't feel connected. And I feel like for, there's a group of people that God just wants to touch you with his adoptive, his adopting love. Um, if you're here today and you're sick, you know, the Bible tells us to pray for the sick. So we would love to pray for you. We pray for the sick almost, I think, every time or almost every time we gather. And, and sometimes people get healed. Most times they don't. But until God tells us to stop praying, we will keep praying for the sick. So that's one group that I'm going to invite up for prayer in a second. But then I have another group of people that I want to challenge or encourage. I I remember years ago uh, being in a church where we'd just done a talk sort of like this, right, about the church, about the family. And at the end of the sermon, no joke, the the guy speaking said this. He said, okay, we're going to end off today. I know that many of you have been offended by other people in this room. So as we end off today, I want to encourage you to go to that person that's offended you, right? And start a conversation. I remember I was way, I was much younger. I remember looking down thinking, I don't know if that's a good idea. When I looked up, it's like, where did all these people come from, right? It's like, I don't even know half these people. That, no, that's not totally true, but there was a bit of a lineup. But, 
But, I, but you know what? I look back at that. I look back at that and I go, that's not how we do it. But I, I'm going to flip that around. And as you look around the room today, if there's someone that you know you've offended them or you've been unkind with your words or your deeds, like, like just do what the Bible tells you to do. Humble yourself. Go to that person. Own what you've done and say, will you, will you forgive me? And then, so that's one activity. As we're singing this last song, I encourage you to do that. But there's another one. Uh, let's love on the body, meaning. If you look around this room and you go, you know what? I've seen Jesus in that guy. I've seen Jesus in that woman. Why don't you go to them today as we're singing this last song and just tell them, you have encouraged me so much. Give them a hug. Cool? So either come forward for prayer or move around the room. But let's sing as uh, Naomi leads us in this last song. Let's make sure everyone who comes forward after this message from Andrew. Yeah, sorry. sorry <laughs> I couldn't. Well, let's just go. No, you're good, you're good. We got Andrew. another, yeah. I, when we were worshiping, I just had this picture. And it, do you remember those little flip books where it would be like a photograph and every time you flip it, the photograph would be slightly different and so it looked like the thing was moving. Do you remember those? Well, that was kind of the image I had in my mind. It was a person. And the person wasn't so much moving, but what was changing about them is they were losing their hair. Like their hair was like starting and then it was slowly, slowly gone. And I... And so, I know, I know. I don't, I was praying, God, I know don't there's a lot offense. of men don't take in the offense. room who would probably love to come forward rushing up and getting prayer for that. But my set, when I asked him what it was, I, I felt like God said, cancer. Like, I, like that there are those of you who right now are battling cancer. And whether you're going through chemotherapy right now or not, you know that, that God is, um, yeah. that this is just a really tough season physically for you. So if you are battling with cancer, I would encourage you to come forward your prayer. I think God just wants to touch you. And, you know, Jeremy, you, you can, oh, well, I'll pray for you later. <laughs> oh, no. Your baldness. That's awesome. Okay. So any of those things, come on. Let's make sure everyone's getting prayer. Uh, but feel free to move around the room. But, of course, uh, join in with this song. Let's worship.